Summoners, and welcome to another episode of Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. Big spoilers for the Jugdrali Saga. In the world of Fire Emblem, there are all sorts of villains. You have tragic villains like Leon. You have annoying villains whose existence is more confusing than anything else like Kempf. You have downright scary villains like Grima who pull the strings for thousands of years and conquer continents. But something we don't often have in Fire Emblem is a good old villain who actually wins. In a game where you play as a hero who fights against the bad guys, it stands to reason that all the villains will lose by your hand so that, you know, you, the good guy, can win. I mean, you're fighting a war here. What kind of game makes you lose a war no matter how well you play? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, or FE4. Gaia asked me about FE4 and what I thought about it as a game since I played it a while back, and it got me thinking about the Jugdraw games enough for me to decide to do an episode over one specific villain who is one of my personal favorites in the series. Arvis, the Emperor of Flame, is an enemy like no other. For you see, Unlike almost any other enemy in the whole of Fire Emblem, Arvis won. And he didn't just win, he obliterated everything that stood in his way, including your army. And here is how he did it. Arvis was born the son of Duke Victor of the Duchy of Velthomer and Sigyn of the Spirit Forest of Verdane. Velthomer was one of the six duchies of Granville, founded by the crusader Fjallir in the year 649, just after the end of the Loptrian Empire. The descendants of Fjallir became the rulers of House Velthomer, carrying the holy blood of Fjallir and, with those who carried major holy blood, the ability to wield the regalia fire tome Valflame. From his father, Arvis inherited the major holy blood of Fjallir, the ability to wield Valflame, and the prospect of eventually becoming the next Duke of Valthomer. Duke Victor, his father, was not what you might call an upstanding individual, and had several illegitimate children with various mothers prior to the birth of Arvis. However, this is where Sigyn comes into the picture. Despite Duke Victor's reputation as a man of low morals, he met Sigyn in the spirit forest of Verdane, and the two actually got married. They had but one child together, that being Arvis. Sigyn not only gave Arvis the legal right to the throne by actually marrying his father and having Arvis be a legitimate child, but also passed down something else to him. Something darker, sinister, and long forgotten. For you see, Sigyn is also special. And in time, the nature of her blood would lead to a holy war on the continent of Jugdral. Duke Velthomer had one more child, another illegitimate son, born through the unwilling maidservant of his wife. This son was named Azel, and is one of the members of your army in Fire Emblem 4. He carried the minor blood of Fjallar, and was quite close to Arvis. Unable to tolerate her husband's behavior, Sigyn ended up having an affair of her own with Prince Kurth of Granville. When Victor found out, Sigyn was forced to flee back to the spirit forest, where later Deirdre was born from Sigyn's time with Kurth. Victor denounced his wife and Prince Kurth before ending his own life. 
His son Arvis was seven years old, and then found himself the ruler of Elthomer. He sent away all the illegitimate children of his father and the mothers that, who they were born from, except Azel and his mother, who acted as the family Arvis had been deprived of. From this early age, Arvis was a successful leader, always being secretly assisted by Prince Gareth. Arvis eventually had a relationship with Ida, a member of the Valthomer army, and this is where Sias comes from, just as a side note. Because of his strength and capability, Arvis was later made the leader of the Viceraider, the elite royal guard of Belhalla. And Valhalla, for those of you who don't know, is the capital of Granville. From this position, the stage was set for Duke Valthomer to steal the continental spotlight. The tale of Loptus is long and grand, very similar to Grima, actually, and if I want to talk about it, I would do it in its own episode upon his introduction to heroes. However, for the sake of this episode, all you need to know is that the bloodline of Lopter was feared by all. And more to the point of this character discussion, the blood of Loptus was carried down in the bloodline of a certain family hidden within the spirit forest. The descendants of St. Myra carried the blood of Loptus, and would you believe it, one such descendant happened to be Lady Sigyn. Through her, the blood of Loptus was given to two children, Deirdre, who is kept hidden within the spirit forest with Sigyn, and our villain from Valthomer. Arvis carried the minor blood of Loptus, something that would have been the end of his career and probably life, were it discovered. Using this knowledge, Manfroy, a follower of Loptus with plans to resurrect the Dark God, manipulated Arvis, threatening to tell the world of his blood. For those of you who are unaware, Manfroy is probably the most important enemy in the Jugdral games. He isn't as notable as Arvis, or as powerful as Julius, or as widely feared as Loptus, but he is a puppet master, pulling the strings from behind the scene. If you want to name a villain, uh, like one villain who really had all his ambitions realized, Manfroy may be the best example in the series. So yeah, excellent villain there. But since he's in Heroes yet, I don't want to talk about him. So, our young Duke of Elthomer, Arvis, is the commander of the Royal Guard of Belhalla. The stage is set, the pieces on the board. It all begins with an invasion. Isaac, a kingdom founded originally by the crusader Odd, invades the holy land of Darna. So Darna, for those unaware, is where the crusaders were born during the previous holy war. The gods made blood packs with humans and holy weapons were created. Darna was the last stronghold of free people against Loptus, and it was considered a holy land from then on out. Through a somewhat complicated series of assassinations and, you know, the truth being warped, this little invasion turned into a full-on war. The kingdom of Granville went to war with the kingdom of Isaac. Now, Isaac was by no means weak. Notable Isaacians include, oh, Ira, Marita, Shannon, just to name a few. Any of those names ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, all those guys come from Isaac, so you know how strong Isaacians are. Isaac was a kingdom of warriors, but Granville was made up of many crusader lineages, and their war machine could not be stopped. The Granville kingdom 
had more plots behind the scenes. So I'm going to drop a couple names here, and they're pretty important. Two Dukes, being Duke Langebolt or Lombard, depending on translation, and uh, Hughes of House Dazal and Duke Repter of House Frege. They enacted a plot. See, Duke Repter saw how Prince Kurth, you know, the Prince of Granville of Belhalla, uh, was growing and gaining power, and he didn't like it. So, of course, he conspired with Duke Langbolt to, you know, stop him, as one does. Once the Granville army, led by Prince Kurth, defeated the country of Isaac, the two dukes carried out their plot, and Prince Kurth was assassinated. Now, Duke or no Duke, assassinating the Prince of Granville and heir to the blood of St. Heim, the blood which allowed use of the Nagatome, this comes with consequences. So, to avoid those consequences, Repter and Langbolt shifted blame to the third Duke who was present, Duke Byron of Calfi, who was the father of Sigurd. This is a central issue at the heart of the first half of genealogy of the Holy War. Sigurd is finding threats on one side and his father on the other. But at the last minute, as your fight should be over, suddenly your father is accused of assassinating the Prince of Granville and your branded traitor. This is a key conflict for Sigurd's story. As a lord, he can be criticized for not really doing much, mostly being strung along by antagonists. And this is a valid claim, as he and his father really do nothing but run around in circles until they are accused of being traitors and then die. At the outset of his journey, Sigurd is given a silver sword by Arvis as a sign of friendship. This friendship does not last. I won't give a full recap of Sigurd's story because that would make this complicated explanation way longer and include several more names of places in FE4 that are probably meaningless to you. So to sum it up, Sigurd eventually makes it all the way to where his father, Lord Byron, is. Byron has just been framed for the assassination of Prince Kurth by Langbolt and Repter. He and Sigurd were both branded traitors, and were under attack by the combined forces of... <clears throat> oh, chapter 5 of FE4, you're so fun. Under the, the combined forces of House Dazzle, acting under Langbolt, or Lobard, House Frege, controlled by Repter, the forces of a place called Finora, eventually all being reinforced by forces of Thracia, led by Travant, which caused the E Desert Massacre, and the forces of Elthomer, led by Arvis. Also Belhalla, which is against him too. Yeah, I definitely didn't just have to cut out me getting a phone call. I, that didn't happen. Anyway, so Sigurd's up against all these dudes, and I'm pretty sure the way that it goes is Sigurd stomps on Dazzle, Thracia bails, and then uh, Finora gets taken out, and then Arvis's master plan comes to fruition. So using the army of Elthomer, the Rotrider, Arvis, who has been working with Raptor and Langbolt, changes sides. You see, Arvis is aware of Raptor's plan to seize power, the very power Arvis himself wanted, and he has no intention whatsoever of actually assisting Raptor. He allowed Raptor to command Langbolt to assassinate Kurth, and willingly went along with the ruse to mark Byron and Sigurd as traitors. Once Kurth was assassinated, Byron was dead, and Langbolt was defeated. The power in Granvel was largely his for the taking. All he needed was the final brushstroke to his plot. Arvis gave an order, and the final phase of his plan was set in motion. His troops had new orders now. Instead of fighting Sigurd the traitor, Arvis commanded them to set their sights on Repter. Caught off guard and trapped, Repter and his men were totally wiped out. Sigurd reaches Arvis at Belhalla, 
well, actually at um, Velthomer, and Duke uh, Velthomer welcomes him to Valhalla, and then to seal his complete dominance over Granval, Arvis switches sides yet again. <clears throat> Sigurd of Chalfi, I hereby sentence you to death for your crimes of treason. His majesty will not be seeing you, today or ever. A flash of Valflame, and it's all over. Arvis is an incredible villain, taking his power at such an early age, pulling the strings of the Granvel political system, even down to marrying Deirdre, the wife of the man he killed, and the princess of Granvel, becoming the emperor of Granvel. He turned the kingdom of Granvel into an empire under his rule. Unfortunately, things would not always remain this favorable for Arvis, but that's a discussion for another day and another villain. For, the, for his time in the spotlight, Arvis is a villain who was capable of feats others didn't even bother dreaming of. He's cool and calculating and wields an impressive regalia of fire tomes as his primary weapon. Did I mention Valflim earlier? Yeah, that's a weapon to be feared. It's a 30 might fire tome, which is crazy for a weapon in Fire Emblem. And it also grants a flat buff of 10 to magic, defense, and resistance. Arvis is worthy of the title of Emperor of Flame. Don't forget, this is Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem heroes. In Fae, Arvis has but one form, his original year one Emperor of Flame form. But he has a refined now, and so I felt like revisiting him again. Uh, I personally loved Arvis when he first came out. I hated healers because they were terrible and lame, but passive healers who could fight were hype. So Arvis had Recovering, which basically was Renewal 4, so having 10 HP every turn healed was great. Combine that with Ardent Sacrifice, and Arvis made the best passive healer in the game. He still might be. Uh, honestly, Lossless Ardent Sacrifice is still great. That said, healers are no longer awful, and he turned and he is uh, pretty outdated. <laughs> I want to choose an actual healer. Passive healing is cool and all, <clears throat> but it's not really something you look to do nowadays, and if you are, there are probably better options as far as units are concerned just because of how outdated Arvis is. Arvis was a guy who I highly merged because, once again, I liked him as a character and as a unit. I was content to just let him sit and collect dust because I couldn't really use him to fight because he was kind of lame. But then, Valflame was refined. I uh, updated my Arvis, and now my Emperor of Flame is plus 10 with 15 dragon flowers and refined Valflame. He still has year 1 stats, but Valflame is no joke. Seriously. This is a weapon to be feared. I think when we can all give, uh, we can all agree that pulley skills are outdated. Long past the time anyone wants to run them in the C slot, it, except panic pull, of course. Anyway, other ploys are no longer viable options. Arvis, however, is a grandmaster at pulling strings. As this episode, as this um, as episode has shown, his FE four. Life is all about pulling strings. He ploys, ploys on a whole other level. Cardinal directions are great and all, but Arvis's ploys are bigger. His Valflame ploys within three columns or three rows of himself. Cardinal direction is one column a row, or is key. I initially read it as three columns and three rows, which is a three by three square centered around him, which is like worse than threatened skills. 
It is not this. It is or, meaning enemies can be one column to the left of Arvis, one column to the right of Arvis, the same column as Arvis, one row above Arvis, the same row as Arvis, or one row below Arvis. If they are in any of these places, tar- uh, Valflame will target them. A res check will be run, and if Arvis is higher than his opponent's, well, minus 5 to attack and res on the foe. That's pretty cool, if you think about it. Pretty good in terms of what Valflame did in FE4. In FE4, it buffed your defenses and your attack. By lowering enemy attack, you basically buff your defense by lowering enemy res. Uh, you raise your attack output. It's kind of like FE4 Valflame, except it weakens your enemy instead of buffing yourself. Except, you know, Refined Valflame has a secondary effect. You also buff yourself, because now you add all enemy debuffs to your attack output. If your enemy has their attack lowered by 5, your damage output increases by 5. If their res is instead is lowered by 5, your attack output increases t- by 10, because their res is 5 lower, and that adds 5 to your damage for a total of 10. Valflame can do both, so if you win the magic check, you can deal 15 more damage. Year 1 stats are unfortunate, but this Arvis is here, and he's the wielder of Valflame, and he isn't out of the game yet. You can run defense ploy in his C slot and speed ploy in his S slot, and that could lead to an extra 25 damage um, if you're able to ploy someone with all four of those. But this is lame, because the coolest part of Valflame is the extended ploying range. I'm running Phantom Res, Sacred Seal, because it's kind of great in a guy who must win res checks to be good. As for the C slot, Chief, I have zero idea what to do with it. My Arvis has close foil, which is weird since his physical bulk isn't good, but I do like it and I don't regret it. <laughs> he has low attack speed, which isn't optimal, but I felt like I might as well do it because it didn't cost me anything because I was sacrificing a Julian for, you know, close foil. My build is not optimal. That's the point. I would welcome suggestions for how to improve it. No, this whole episode wasn't just a, a, a secret ploy of mine to get build ideas. Arvis was nearly irrelevant to the game, but now he has real potential to be used, and if you ever wanted a good debuffer, or you like the astoundingly good villain from Jugdral, you should consider building an Arvis of your own. One thing about the Jugdrali villains is a lot of people don't know how good they are, simply because those games are so inaccessible, they're so archaic, they're a little bit hard to play, and you have to translate them to English to even understand what's going on. Thankfully, thanks to modern emulators and the work of other people, you can do all that without too much difficulty. So if you've ever wanted to play Fire Emblem 4, or personally I'd say 3SCS776, I like Fire Emblem 5 even better, um, you should give it a go. There are a lot of really good villains in those games. You know, Arvis, Manfroy, Kempf, Reinhardt, Sias is the villain... There are a lot of really solid villains in those games, and if given enough time, I might talk about all of them on the show, but, you know, you could just play them yourself and enjoy them. Um, But if you like this episode, uh, I would very much appreciate uh, letting us know. You can do that uh, by contacting the throw, the the throw, wow, the show. Um through the show's email of fayology at gmail.com. You can also reach out to the uh, community at the subreddit of r slash fayology. You can find us on Discord at the Research and Development Discord server. The link is in the show notes. Uh, you can 
email uh, chat with us on Discord. All of our tags in the show notes. I'm Millie Alador, hashtag thirty three twenty, and you can find the tags to Deku and Joel in the show notes as well. Remember, you can send the show your voice messages through Anchor at anchor.fm slash valley slash message. You should really try that, honestly. I'm sure some of you have probably considered it and just not done it. You should do it. Uh, lastly, if you appreciate the show and want to support it, you can do that through Anchor at anchor.fm slash Phyology to share a biology spirit for as little as a dollar a month. I hope you all have a wonderful day and schedule another appointment with your phyologist real soon. Take care. Also, check us out on Twitter because that's a thing now. Twitter hype, right? Twitter's cool. Yeah, I say Twitter. Anyway, have a good day.